This is a great teaching in, in the chapter 10. And the title of this tonight is A Turning Point in History. This is a spiritual turning point. And if you're a Gentile, listen closely. There's Jews and Gentiles. We have quite a few Jews who are born again, obviously, but most of us here are Gentiles. This is your history change. So pay attention. It's powerful. Now, I want you to say a couple things with me. They're right on the overhead. Easy to do it. We're going to say it together. Here we go. God loves everybody. And then what? God loves me. Second one. Jesus died for how many? Everybody. And Jesus died for me. Now, you understand we started with this last week. If you weren't here, I'm going to do a really quick summary of the first part of last week. And this suitcase, you can see what it is up here. It represents our spiritual lifestyle. It represents who we are spiritually as we walk with Jesus Christ. Now, you're going to see during this teaching that this applies to all of us. And you're going to see initially Cornelius has to get rid of something in his, in his life. He doesn't know what it is, and I'll show you that. It's sin. He's never heard of sin. He didn't know what it is. Peter is going to have to remove some things from his life. Peter, the, the head of the apostles, and because he's prejudiced, and he's basically prideful. He'll have to move it. Then all of those people will also add some things. You will say, well, Pastor Mark, what does that have to do with me? Uh, you're a people. You're going to have some things to think about as I go through the teaching that you might have to remove or something God's going to put into your heart. So we're going to learn together. Is that okay? All right. Now, if you will, you can turn in your Bibles, and I'm going to pretty much do a summary up front. You can turn to Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 9. Remember, we go by the Bible. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. Now, Cornelius was a Roman Gentile who left his pagan gods and started to worship the one true God. Now, remember the Romans basically just worshipped all kinds of pagan gods. And the, and the city, little children were being sexually abused like crazy in those days. And so Cornelius says, I've had it enough. I'm bowing down to a stone it never, I don't even know what that means. And my family, I don't want them out there. So he got connected. There was a Jewish synagogue in that city. And he got connected and he went there and he began to learn there's one true God. But he didn't become this total, uh, basically proselyte in Jewism. He didn't have circumcision, all that. He just went to kind of learn what he heard from the Old Testament. So he's not really a full Jew by any means, but he's learned to worship God and to pray to God. Now, when you see that, what's left in his bag is that sin. He loves God, but he doesn't know anything else. That's all he knows. Now, you're going to see very quickly what was missing in his life. Think about this. God knew exactly what was missing in his life. And God knows what's wrong with Peter's life. And by the way, I want to tell you, God knows exactly what's in your heart and my heart too. 
Really, God does? A hello, he's all-knowing. And he knows how to take care of it. So God's going to do a supernatural thing with Cornelius, and he's going to do a supernatural thing with Peter. And it's going to affect all of us as we go through. Now, what is exactly this thing? God knew what was missing in Cornelius' life. It was sin. He had never heard the truth about Jesus. Now, you can understand that. He's in a synagogue. The synagogue people were regular Jewish people. They weren't Jewish believers. They were just Jewish people. What did the, what did the Jewish synagogues believe about Jesus? He was a false Messiah. In fact, we helped put him on the cross. He's dead. Oh, they said his body's missing. He, he's alive. No, he's not alive. They stole his body. So he, does, he doesn't know what sin is. And of course, he doesn't know how to get rid of sin. So you're going to see how God solves that. So he sends him an angel. Can you imagine you worshiping God? You've never heard from an angel in your life. You haven't either. You haven't been standing in front of an angel and the angel's talking to you. I've never had that. So here he is, and the angel says this. Cornelius, God's, God's honoring you. He's heard your prayers. You're a good guy. But he says, I want you to send some of your soldiers. Remember, he was a, 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 an organized leader, had about 100 soldiers under him. And, and God says through the angel, I want you to go to Joppa. And remember, that was 30 miles away from where they're at, at the Mediterranean, down there. And he says, take some of your men and get Simon, Peter, and bring him back because the angel says... He is going to tell you how to solve your problems spiritually. So Cornelius calls some guys, and he sends them on the way, 30 miles away, <clears throat> to meet Peter. Now, Peter's on the other end, 30 miles away. He knows nothing about this, but he's going to have his own supernatural interaction with God. So these guys start out, and now we pick up as they're getting near and they're working their way 30 miles to that place. We pick it up in Acts chapter 10, verse 9. So take a look. About noon on the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. So now he has kind of a trance that he's going, it's kind of a dreamy thing from God. And let me just tell you what happens. Heaven opens, and this sheet comes down, and it contains all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and the birds of the air. Now, on this sheet, it is filled with kosher food, those kind of foods that would be good, and non-kosher foods. Now, the Jews, by Leviticus, they could eat kosher foods, clean foods. They could not touch unclean foods, non-kosher foods. So when he saw this come down, it's a mixture, and he's shocked by it. Now, there's an interesting word. Look at verse 13. And the voice, God, said to him, get up, Peter, Kill and eat it. And he's going, you got to be kidding me. Now, we told you last week what kind of things were there. There were things he had never seen uh, that were, were basically not clean. Remember, I showed you on <clears throat> the overhead a big lobster with 
butter all over it. He's looking at the, what in the heck is that? Now, remember why God did some of this, because lobster is a bottom feeder. And so they didn't have protection in those days. And then I showed you last week a big plate of fried bacon. And he looked at it and he said, I never touched that sucker either. Smells like pig to me. Well, pig was unclean. So when this happens, look what verse 13 says. And the voice says, Peter, <clears throat> kill him, eat him. Now, what's he going to do to that? That's God speaking. What's, that, what's he going to do with it? Well, first thing he says is to God, uh, no, I'm not doing it. No, Lord. Now, we told you before, that's an oxymoron. No, Lord? No. So he's not going to do it. But look how God responds. The voice said to him, one, two, and three times in a row, do not call anything impure that I, God, have made clean. Now, that's hard for him. He doesn't get it. This is God speaking. Is that really God or is that Satan? So immediately the sheet was taken back on. Now, what's going to happen? He's going to struggle because of his background. Let me give you two keys. Here you see him on the overhead. You watching online, Vieira, Sebastian, all of us here. Peter and the Jews had lived with deep-rooted pride and prejudice against all Gentiles. Had nothing to do with them, ever. Now, remember, there's only two kinds of people really in that spiritual area, Jews and Gentiles. You'll see later what that looks like. Now, second, you're going to hear this again, prejudice is related to pride. God hates them both. I'm better than you. We would never touch you, not interested in you. You're useless. And it's it just not about race. It's about all kind of things that could people be. Now, let's be honest. Is change difficult? Okay, three of you have no problem with changes being difficult. I will call you to the altar and we'll get your heart changed. Now, how many have uh, had a lot of changes in the last three, four months? <laughs> you think we're all done with them? I know there's more coming, and that's just the way life is. So Peter's trying to think, wait a minute, I I'm totally confused here. Something isn't right. Something isn't right. But you know what God does when he does change? He does it to bring us into a fresh area with him. I guarantee you, all of us have depended on God more in the last four months than we ever have in our life because we can't figure what's happening. But remember, he will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And we've got back in. God knows how to get us into it. And we've done a good job for all of us. Now, when you think about this, what is God going to do? He's going to use the food illustration to point Peter, the leader of the Jewish apostles, that there's something that has to be removed from their heart, his heart, sinful pride and prejudice. And God's going to say, you need to open the door of my church to these Gentiles. Now, he's not saying it to Peter yet, but that's what he's going to do. Now, when the men from Cornelius' house arrive where Peter is staying, he doesn't know that anybody's even coming. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says to him, in a moment, there's going to be men downstairs, 
and you just get downstairs and welcome them. God has sent them. So boom, 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 boom. There's the three men downstairs, and the Holy Spirit says to him, invite them in your house. Now, the one thing he doesn't know, they're Gentile, and he never touches Gentile. He isn't around Gentile people, but he invited them in, and basically what happened is when you see that, I want to show you this morning how amazingly personal our God is. He invites them in, and they start out going back to Cornelius. So here is Peter walking with Jewish men he would never be around. So what do we have here? Look how personal a God we have. Uh, Cornelius is talked to by an angel. Here, God has sent a sheet of food down. To Peter, he's talking to him. And the next thing we hear is the Holy Spirit says to Peter, go downstairs. There's three men. God sent them. Go with him. Aren't you glad we can be led by God? I mean, he's such a personal God. And when you see that, he's headed off now. He doesn't know what he's doing. You know, he was, he was having, he actually probably wanted to go back and have a piece of bacon, but he can't. He's got to go on. He's got to go on. Now, when you see that, why, why God on both ends and why the Holy Spirit? Here it is. Every person matters to God and every person is valuable to God. At the end of the story, it won't just be Cornelius. It won't just be Peter. You're gonna see how God really worked. Now, look at verse 24. I want you to see this important verse. The following day, he, Peter and the guys, arrived at Caesarea, 30 miles back. Cornelius was, circle the word in your Bible, expecting them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. Now, what do you see in Cornelius' life, which is a shock to us? It's faith. It's faith. Look at this. Faith is expecting God to keep his promises. Now, what is faith? Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. He's hoping Peter's gonna come back. He actually believes the angel told him truth. And so what you see from here, notice when you see those words, that whole key here, look at the last part. This is it. To please God, we must live by faith. So he has faith in his heart, which is amazing because he's not even really a believer yet, but he knows that God said, I'm sending Peter back, and Peter is going to tell you what you need to do. He has no evidence it's going to happen, none, but he trusts God. Let me ask you this morning and me, how much faith do you have in your heart? You know, the opposite of faith is fear. If you understand Scripture, God's promises to us never fail. He's a promise. Come on. Keeper. Exactly. Now, do you think Cornelius ever sang that song? No. 2,000 years ago, are you kidding? He never sang that song. You know, but sometimes we sing it, 
Promise keeper, light in the darkness. It's a great song, isn't it? And you go, oh, man, I'm fearful. What's going to happen tomorrow morning? I got two-way masks on now. I got to move somewhere else. Where are we going to go? There is no place to go. Careful. Go back to the promises of God. I'm serious. We should not be living with fear. We should be living with faith. Can I say this? That you and I have to understand that these things grow our faith. He's never failed us. He never will fail us. I just want to encourage you this morning because we're living in crazy, crazy times. But I want to know something. Do you think God's still on the throne? Yes. And so, by the way, are we going to someplace better one day? Hallelujah. And I'm not talking about Mims. I'm talking about heaven. We're going there one day. Now, so watch. This is what's happening. He, he's there, and he, he's done something that is so positive. He's invited his friends and his relatives to hear the truth. Now, that's a heart that is amazing. And you hear me saying very often, thank you, please, challenge you to invite neighbors, friends, online. So many people are watching online that because somebody mentioned they don't have to come to a church so they feel a little more comfortable. Just continue to invite people. Talk to them. Have open doors. Thank you for being faithful. You know why that's important? I'm going to tell you this. It has nothing to do with me. Last weekend, 29 new people accepted Jesus Christ. Now, how did that happen? Obviously, it's all God. It's not me. It's because you online, there, our campuses have invited people. They have to make their own decision, but you did it. Way to go. Here's what you've heard me talk about the last 28 years. Lost people matter to God, and they have to matter to us. So here he is. He doesn't know anything about this, but he invites friends, and he invites neighbors to come. Now, look at verse 25. As Peter entered the house, now, think about this. What kind of a house is he in? He's a Gentile house. Has he ever, ever stepped into a Gentile house in his whole life? Never. So how do you think he came in? Wow, this is fantastic. Look at this. I'm in a Gentile house. No, I think he came in like this. <laughs> because it was against the Jewish faith. He doesn't know what to do. But he stepped in. See, he's starting to learn. He's starting to becoming a little teachable. He says, well, God sent me here. I can't stand outside the door. Six foot distancing, but I'll come in. And he comes in. Now, when he comes in, what's the first thing you see Cornelius do? Look at your verse. He does this. Peter. Now, why would he do that? What has he been doing his whole life? Bowing down to a dead idle. He doesn't know any different. And what does Peter say? Thank you. I'm worthy of it. It was wonderful. (laughs) Praise God, you're good. No, he says what? Get up. I'm a human like you. And here's the key. Look at the verse. We are to worship God and God alone. No human, no angels. Now you say, well, I know that one, Pastor Mark, but here's the problem we all have sometimes right here. What did Jesus say? You must worship God only. We can come to worship money, jobs, our pride, 
our homes, a million things that we can put before God. But remember what God said in the Old Testament? No other God's before me. No other God's before me. Careful, careful. Is God first place in your life? See, we, we sing it, but he has to be there because easily we can move away from that. And that's what basically Peter's trying to say. Now, <clears throat> when you see this, uh, he begins to go inside. And there's this huge gathering of people. And Peter's looking at it in verse 27. He's saying, why all the people? Now, why do you think all the neighbors and, and relatives came for this? They don't know anything about Peter. Cornelius doesn't know anything about Peter. But they were searching for truth. They were looking. They had seen something happen to Cornelius. And they wanted to know more. So we have people searching everywhere. Then here comes two big things from Peter. Watch this. I have it on the overhead for you. Acts 10, 28. Vieira, Sebastian, watch this. And Peter told them, he's telling the Jewish people, excuse me, the Gentile people right there. And Peter told them, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or even associate with you. Now, look at how God has gotten through to him. But God has shown me that I should no longer think. That's where the battle is, in the mind. I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. That's a huge change. That's a huge change. Now, what does he do? He gets the food illustration applied to people. He gets it now. He understands. Anything God calls pure, it's fine. Gentiles are not non-kosher food. They're pure. They're fine. Enjoy them. Now, remember, I already told you this. Peter has come from a background that's deep-rooted in prejudice and pride. And remember, both of those, God hates those sins. Now, so what is he going to do? He does a couple things, and I think it's good. He, he, he's starting to empty out pride, I'm better than you, and prejudice. I'm a Jew. <laughs> You're a Gentile. He's removed them. What did he put in there? What did God put in there when he did it? Humility. He had to admit he was wrong. In front of all those people, he says, God has taught me. That's humbling. That's humbling. See, very often, we know something's not right, but we don't want to admit it. That's somebody else's fault. Peter goes, no, <laughs> my fault. It's my fault. And so he does that. It's a wonderful thing. And who actually did it? Who did he say? God. Look at this statement. Only God can change your heart or my heart and our thinking. Only God. I can't do it myself. I need God to help me. Now, I'm going to ask you something that will sound strange to you, but I think it's very important. If any of you who are watching online and listening to me teach or here in our campuses, anywhere, if you're watching and you struggle with the sin of pride and prejudice, you think you're better than somebody else. Your, your education's better than someone. Or your color of skin's better than someone. Whatever else you want to use it. It doesn't really matter. Uh, if you have that in your life, it's time to say to God, I'm done with that. 
I've learned through the Bible that God can change my thinker, that I can realize that everybody is equal in the eyes of God. You know why they're equal? Because they're made in the image of God. Now, I'm not talking about unbelievers just coming out and doing their own thing, but how did we all start? Unbelievers. But the heart of man needs to be changed by God. So you can't be prejudiced. Well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm this kind of a Christian, and you're not. Careful. So we need to make sure that we just ask God, forgive me of that. Love my neighbors as I love myself. You know, we love ourselves pretty much. Ladies, how long did you spend in front of the mirror this morning? 22 seconds? Yeah, that was to wipe the mirror off. I'm just joking. You wish your husband spent more time. I understand. I hear it all the time. All right. Now, now, here's the funny part of this whole thing. He's humiliated, but he loves it because he knows he was wrong, and he admitted it. That's a big ding for all of us. When we're wrong, let's just admit it and ask God to forgive us. Let's just admit it, and that's freedom. Now, look at verse 29. <laughs> here's what Peter says. Why am I here? He makes that whole trip. He doesn't know why he's there. Nobody told him why he's there. I'm in the house. I've made that thing. I've, I've apologized. I've asked God to forgive me. Here I am. Why am I here? And basically, when you see that, I think it's classic. Cornelius gives him this whole story. I'm not going through it again. The angel came, told me, uh, I, I respect you, but you're missing something. There's sin in your life. And he says, for me to send to you. And here's what... He, Cornelius says to Peter, now we're all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Wow. That's why they're there. See, they didn't know anything about Jesus. Peter's going to do it. I want to say this to you. What, what, what he's saying is, Cornelius says, and I'll just use you guys at, in Melbourne now. All you guys are here as relatives of Cornelius and, and friends of his. And what he's saying, all these people, all these people online, they're waiting to hear God speak to them. We're enjoying that. Can I say this for myself, the elders and the pastors? One of the greatest privileges we have is to be in a church where you guys are welcoming the teaching of Jesus' word. It's a privilege. It's not people getting up and walking out, well, I don't believe that anymore. You guys are amazing. It's a, a huge blessing to us. You don't realize how much of a blessing. Because, you know, you've been in places where people just get up and walk out. We have people, none of us are perfect, but you're here because God's here. He's in our presence, and the word's coming. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart and all the other pastors. We just love teaching because we know it's already truth, and you guys love it. And that's what's happening there. Now, Basically, verse 10, 34, and 35, look at it. This is a huge verse for us to learn. Acts 10, 34, and 35. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show, here's a word, favoritism, but accepts men from every nation. Hello, here we go again. We're all equal who fear him and do what is right. Now, Peter's already confessed, and he's already said, I'm dealt with my pride and prejudice. But he brings it up again. God said there's another word. It's very similar, but he says there's another word. 
He says, God does not show favoritism. Well, he's humbly saying it right to their faces, to the Jewish people, who have never heard that kind of an apology in their entire life. Wow. Bold. Now, what is favoritism? Take a look at the definition. It's the unfair practice of treating some people better than others. Now, if you're honest, all of us have done that a few times in our life, for sure. Now, I didn't, I've never seen these two verses in this context before. This just shocked me. Here's the first one, Romans 2.11. Look what it says. For God does not show favoritism. Anybody glad about that? I am. You know, when I was 5'8", and now I'm 76, I'm 5'6", God says, well, you got too short. I don't really favor you anymore. Have a nice life. Or ladies, well, back to you again. Remember when the skin was like a baby's bottom? Now it's like a roller coaster. Well, I don't care for you anymore either. I'm glad God has no favorites. Are you? <laughs> it's just there. And, and in our hearts, it's the same thing. But here's the big one. I never connected it. Look at the next one. James 2.9. But if you favor some people over others, you, me, are committing what? A sin. Really? I thought it was just like a little deal. No, it isn't a little deal. It's a sin that has to be what? Forgiven. Forgiven. Because you are guilty of breaking the law. That's powerful in our society today from the beginning. Remember, the whole Jewish nation hated the Gentiles. And God came through. Peter's learned. Now, that truth will spread through the church. Here's where the change came. If you're Gentile, listen to me. This is where the change came 2,000 years ago. Don't copy it. Just look on the overhead. No longer did Jews have an advantage over Gentiles. Everybody's equal under God. Number two, everyone, including Gentiles, could come to salvation. Number three, the walls of prejudice, pride, and favoritism, they're gone. And here's the big one. Jesus' church is open to all Jews and all Gentiles. Come on in. There's his hand on the cross dying so that everybody could come to Jesus Christ. Understand. That's right. Now, let me share with you why this is such a powerful chapter for us. In our world, there's, I don't know what it is right now. It's close, somewhere like 7 to 8 billion people. Out of that 7 or 8 billion people are about 14 to 20 million Jews. Look at the super small percentage. Now, what if this chapter wasn't in the Bible? We'd have like 95% of the world's population, no chance to come to Jesus. But God settled it 2,000 years ago. That's why you, as a Gentile, me as a Gentile, we're believers. Somebody came from Europe and came to the United States. You have to see what God does. He loves everybody. And you are a Christian 
as a Gentile today because of this chapter. God broke the bondage. I would have expected a few more amens there. You know, I'm tired of sitting in a church with nobody. I've talked to the seats the whole time the last five months. <laughs> Give it a try and see how you like it. Hi there. How's anybody? Could anybody say amen? No, there isn't anybody. I'll just keep going. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Same thing with the band. Oh, there's somebody clapping. That's amazing. Uh, so understand. Now, this was God's plan all along. It was in the Old Testament, but it got sidelined. And the disciples had to change everything. Now, Paul starts to realize, well, I didn't just come here to apologize and repent. But I came to tell these Gentile people how to become a Christian. And he begins working through. And uh, he will then basically say this. Uh, let me read to you in verse 36. You know the message of God sent the people of Israel telling the good news of peace with Jesus Christ, who is Lord. See, they've heard about it, but they don't even understand it. These Gentiles were not at peace with God. Their lives was filled with sin. They didn't know what to do about it. They, they were searching. They were not at peace. And I just want to say this. He's going to explain to them, they, before the, he leaves the room, they will be at peace with God because Jesus Christ is the prince of peace. So he's going to go through and explain what Jesus did. You know this principle. When a person becomes a Christ follower, we have peace with God. What keeps me from having peace with God? My sin. It separates me from God. That's what was separating them. Peace with God is huge. Now, he begins talking and he says this, you know what happened through Judea beginning in Galilee after, after the baptism that John preached? So they must have known a little bit about Jesus because he was all over the country, as you know, and a little bit about John the Baptist. But they didn't know other than what you see on the overhead. Watch this. Knowing about Jesus or knowing about God is not the same thing as knowing Jesus and God personally. They knew about him. I heard that name, Jesus. I heard that name, God. But I don't know anything about him. It's like you. Would you say, well, let, let's go to the, the governor of Florida. Well, I know the governor of Florida. Well, you might know him, but you don't really know him. All you really know is about him, his name. That's all. And when the next phase coming, you don't know him personally. So he's going to go through and say, look, most people in our world think good works get you to heaven. But that's a lie from Satan. Jesus came, and you know this, there's only one way. Good people don't go to heaven, only forgiven people. They don't know this. They have no clue, all of these Gentiles. They don't know how to get rid of their sin. So basically, Jesus goes through with this story of Jesus, Peter does, and he talks about Jesus, and he says, you know, he came as a human, fully God and fully man. But he went to the cross. He was died for your sin. He was perfect. None of us could do that. So we can't get to heaven by our good works. It's a gift that comes from God. So he, and I'm, I'm just summarizing, 
You can read it line by line if you want later. He's just summarizing to these people so they can finally get it, okay? We're all born with sin. We don't know exactly what he said because Luke doesn't give us everything Peter says, but they go through that. And basically, what would the Jewish people have said about Jesus? I already told you. No, he died on the cross. He wasn't the Messiah. And Peter is going to go through and he's going to say something else. Here's what he says. Uh, he was seen by us. All the apostles saw Jesus personally. We touched him after he was raised from the dead. He is alive. And because he's alive, God accepted his sacrifice for your sin, Gentiles, and his mine as well. And he begins explaining all that. And all of a sudden, the light comes on. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes but the, to the Father, but through me, you can't get to heaven. Without Jesus, your good works will never get you to heaven. It's accepting Jesus Christ in their life. And in verse 42, it says, then God commanded us, like I'm doing here, to take the good news to people. This is the only good news we really have in our world spiritually. And it's been there since the day Jesus was resurrected from the dead. So he's obeying. He's obeying God. But look what verse 43 says. This caps it for the Gentiles. This verse caps it. And all of you that maybe are not believers yet or you've fallen away from God, this verse is a key verse. Look at it. Acts 10, 43. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Wow. How many, how many, how many get their sins forgiven? Everyone. Every single one. So Cornelius and all the others, they're listening to that truth. And they believe it. And what happens is they get rid of all their sins. And you can imagine some of those guys saying, everything I did wrong, everything is gone. Everything is gone. Aren't you glad when you came to Christ, all your sins were covered by the blood of Jesus? All of them. That's called God's grace. So they empty their whole life. They're changed people. You say, well, how do you know they're changed? Well, the next thing that happens, I'll just tell you what happens. Very simple. Next thing that happened is, Peter hasn't even finished his sermon. And all of a sudden, those people are going, wow, I know Jesus now. I've asked him into my heart. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And they're speaking in tongues. Whoa. They're thinking, what, what is that? What, what, what is that? And the next thing, the Jewish people that came with Peter said, how can these people have the same experience we did in the upper room? Well, because they have Jesus in their life. Now, usually when a person becomes a Christian, what are the phases? Number one, your sins are forgiven, and Jesus comes to, Holy Spirit comes to live in your, in your life. Number two, you get water baptized. That's the second step. We're all take to go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of Jesus. Second, what's the third one? You're going to be filled with the Spirit. Comes upon him, and he did. What does God do? He reverses it. You think you're going to argue with God about that? No, you can't put God in the box. He just does what he wants to do. And so they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit now not only comes upon them, but he lives in them. Wow, that's exactly what we want. And next, they're going to be baptized. Now, remember the Jewish people that I told you came with Peter, they're going, that can't be. These are Gentiles. Hey, dummy, you're just missing what I was telling you the whole time. They're equal to us now. Everything's together. We're family. Praise the Lord. And so when he does that, here's what Peter says. If they've done all that, Who's going to keep them from being water baptized? So they all get water baptized at the same time. Now, when you came out of that house, what do you think those people were thinking? Yes. This, I don't understand everything, but this is fantastic. I feel really good in my heart, and that's what God really does. So understand that. Now, here's one more thing I want to say. When you understand what Peter is saying, there's no prejudice, no distinction between Jew and Gentile. That is something we carry on with us every single day in our life. He's taught us, and you've learned it, and I've learned it again. But some of you here, like Cornelius, you know about God. Here or online, watching us from all over the United States, different countries are watching us. You know about God. Of course I believe in God, Pastor Mark. But you don't have a personal relationship with him, just like these people. There has to come a time in your life that you have to understand that you just need to say to God, uh, well, I'd like to know you because you can't come and get your sins forgiven unless you have a personal relationship with God. So you have to admit, just like they did, forgive me of my sins. I didn't know how to get get rid of them, but now I know I can trust Jesus Christ. And what was the verse we just said? Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through the name of Jesus. That's the only way. I'd like to be able to say to you after being a pastor for many, many years, my dad a pastor for 50 years, I can forgive you your sins. I'd just love to be able to do that. Impossible. Impossible. Only one person can do that, Jesus, because he died for our sins. And so if you're here, I just want to encourage you. You absolutely want the same thing in your life that you just saw this morning. You want to follow God. And it's time for a change by asking God to simply forgive you. And the same thing, some of you used to follow God. You've been a Christian, but you got on the wrong road. You backed up. It's time to make a recommitment. And if you'd like to make that recommitment, or if you'd like to have all your sins gone, today is the day of salvation. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody at our campuses, in our homes, wherever, just to bow your head. And if that's you, pray this prayer with me right now. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm looking for peace. I'm looking for answers in life. I need your forgiveness. I do believe you died for my sins. I turn from them. And I choose to follow you as my Savior and my Lord. Please come into my life. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me of all my sins. And today, by faith, I receive your gift of salvation. And I look forward to a life of change, forgiveness, purpose, and hope. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Thank you.